Hi, this is Dr. Bill Renner. I'm a board-certified internist and radiologist. I'm honored to moderate a series of podcasts focused on evidence-based medicine with health and wellness featuring Dr. Alan Safdie. Dr. Safdie is a world-renowned investigator. He's been the primary investigator in about 300 peer-reviewed clinical research studies and a co-investigator in about 900 research uh, study studies. He's board certified in internal medicine and uh, gastroenterology. Alan, today I wanted to talk about vitamins. I think that's really an important topic. Give me a little interview of vitamins and supplements, please. Okay. Bill, you know, in a bit we can discuss, you know, the top 20 vitamins and supplements taken in this past year. But let's talk about these a little bit because I don't think people really have a good concept of often what they're taking and the risks and benefits. Um, and we'll get into some of these in more detail on future podcasts. I mean, vitamin D this year I'll start with has gotten a whole bunch of press this year uh, because people with vitamin D deficiency actually have worse outcomes in regards to uh, COVID-19. So, you know, what it's known to do absolutely is help, help maintain normal blood levels of calcium and phosphorus and help strengthen the bones. Um, so supplements can reduce uh, the number of non-spinal fractures. And where do we get this? We get it from fortified milk. We get it from sunshine. We get it from cereals. We get it from fatty fish. And it's a tremendous epidemic of vitamin D deficiency in the United States. Most of us do not get enough vitamin D. But too isn't, much it true that, isn't it true that you really can't, get, you know, if you live in the upper hemisphere like we do in Ohio, you really can't get enough sunshine to get an adequate amount of vitamin D, at least for the vast majority of people. But you're, abso- you're absolutely right, Bill. I mean, mankind uh, started near the equator, migrated out. Um, and the farther, the higher we get in latitude, so at 37 degree latitude, you're going to see the vast majority of people that are vitamin D deficient. Um, you know, it, it's really an epidemic, but I hate to see people going out and taking massive quantities of vitamin D. Um, and well, how much, how much d- vitamin D should they take? They should take it under their physician's uh, recommendations based upon their 25 hydroxy vitamin D level. So it takes about 2000 international units per day for to keep my levels in the normal range. Um, and the lower so, so people should go see their doctors and actually have their vitamin D levels checked. Well, your twenty five hydroxy vitamin D levels. I've seen a lot of doctors draw the draw the one wrong ones. So, you know, most of the time you're not going to run into trouble at two thousand international units. But too much is bad, and too little is bad. And we'll go through that with a lot of other vitamins. Um, vitamin E, uh, which acts as an antioxidant, it's neutralizing unstable, you know, acts to neutralize unstable molecules that can damage cells. Uh, it comes from a lot of foods. Most of us don't need it because uh, vegetable oils, you know, vegetables, wheats, germs, leafy green vegetables, whole grains, nuts, all have vitamin D. It doesn't prevent you from wrinkling or slow other aging processes, um, but most of us don't need a supplement. Supplements of that, again, too much or bad, and we can get into that when we go into some of the hidden risk of vitamins. But there's been an increase in all-cause mortality with high-dose supplementation of vitamin E. Uh, other ones that you know, I want people to have a good concept of why they're taking it um, are beta-carotene or vitamin A. 
And vitamin A is one of the things that we saw early on in my practice with toxicity from people taking high-dose vitamin A supplements. Um, many people get too much preformed vitamin A. If you took it in the form of beta-carotene, your body only converts over to vitamin A what you really need. But if you take it in the form of preformed beta-carotene, uh, you run into problems. So the upper limit per day is about 10,000 international units uh, that you should be taking. But be careful. Uh, too much of this, it can be very bad for you uh, and needs to be followed. It's not only bad for your liver, but it can be harmful to your bones. So so you would suggest people take beta-carotene or approximately, uh, uh, depending on what their doctor says, uh, 10,000 units of vitamin A. Is that correct? No, I, I really don't think many people need excessive supplementation of vitamin A. Okay. Um, sources of beta-carotene are like sweet potatoes, carrots, pumpkin, squash, spinach, um, mangoes, turnip greens. Uh, so anybody who's taking an adequate diet with vegetables really doesn't yeah. need supplements of vitamin and, and, A. And probably. if you get some in a multivitamin that is near the recommended daily allowance, you're going to be usually fine. Um you know, liver has it in it. Eggs have vitamin A in it. Fortified milk has vitamin A. A lot of cheeses have vitamin A. So I don't think many people need extra vitamin A supplementation unless it's under a physician's uh, guidance or if they're taking vitamins that have minimal amounts. But when you get over 10,000 international units per day, be very careful. Talk to your physician about it. Thiamine is another one. Uh, we need that to convert food into energy. Uh, we also need it for our skin, our brain, our muscles, um, for nerve function. And most nutritious foods uh, have some thiamine in it. Um, brown rice has it, watermelon has it, acorn squash, all, all these things that I eat a lot. Um, you know, animal sources, pork chops, ham, things like that have vitamin A. Very, I mean, have thiamine. Um, we don't know about an upper limit for toxicity in regards to that like we do for vitamin D and for vitamin A. Same as riboflavin, which is vitamin B2, thiamine is B1, uh, helps convert food into energy. And we don't know about upper limits of toxicity, really don't have a significant um, upper limit of toxicity that we know of, but we don't need more. We'll talk about some of the risks of excessive vitamin B supplementation and some other studies on one of our other upcoming podcasts. Nine. What about vitamin B12? Now, doctors used to give you shots of that. If you didn't feel well or felt a little lack of energy or whatever, you go to the doctor, they give you a shot of B12. That's happened when I was younger. Well, unfortunately, it still happens. Um, it's a legal form of placebo. It's illegal for a doctor to give a real placebo. Um, so they say, here, this is going to make you feel better. And if you have B12 deficiency, it should be looked into why you have it. If you have pernicious anemia, you cannot absorb B12 through your gastrointestinal tract. Um, so we have to give it either nasally or by shot. And it aids in lowering what's called homocysteine levels, uh, which relate to heart disease, uh, assist in making new cells, breaking down some fatty acids, helps in brain function, protects nerve cells, has a lot of beneficial uh, aspects to it. Uh, again, you know, most people get enough, but vegetarians may not get enough B12. Some Yeah, I, I understand there's almost like an epidemic in vegans uh, who uh, don't take a, a B12. In fact, I had a friend who, who played for the orchestra, uh, the orchestra 
and uh, couldn't play anymore because his B12 level became extremely low and he developed neurologic problems uh, and was unaware that it needed to be supplemented if, if uh, you're on a vegan diet. Well, vegan people, you know, and I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not vegan. Um, you know, often those on a vegan or even a vegetarian diet often don't get enough B12 as it's mostly found in animal products. Uh, we also find it besides meat and poultry and fish and cheese, it is in eggs. Um, so a regular vegetarian may eat some eggs. It's found in fortified cereals. Um, but a lack of B12 can cause memory loss, dementia, numbness in the arms and legs. So following B12 levels, it's part of the thing if you're vegetarian or vegan or as people get older, we should be following them to see if they have B12 deficiency. It's a very easy thing to do and it's easy to supplement. If it's due to lack of it in the diet, you can take it orally. If it's due to something called pernicious anemia, where we don't make intrinsic factor in our stomach, supplementing it orally won't be, you know, by mouth won't be successful. And then we have to use either the nasal spray or the shots. But shots to improve energy really aren't going to work. Uh, vitamin C, we're going to talk about in a little bit um, in another podcast. But, you know, foods rich in vitamin C, maybe they could lower the risk for some cancers, uh, including those mouth, esophagus, stomach, and breast. Um, but evidence, uh, you know, protects against colds hasn't been tremendously convincing. Most people should get enough in their diet. We'll discuss pros and cons of vitamin C. Um, we'll discuss benefits in diet over supplements in a bit. Um, and then there's a variety of other B vitamins um, that I don't want pyridoxine, uh, which is B6 and may reduce risk of heart disease, converts tryptophan to niacin and serotonin. But those are neurotransmitters. Uh, and most people get enough. Um, many people really, um, if you don't get enough in your diet, you know, you may want to be looking to legumes, meat, fish, poultry. They have some, some soy products have them. Um, bananas have B6 in them. Watermelons have B6. So really a good, broad-based, well-balanced diet, you probably will get enough. And, you know, I think we can discuss some of the other deficiencies as we get on in our further discussion. One of the ones I want to mention before we uh, wrap up for today is folic acid. Um, folic acid has gotten a lot of press. It's, you know, vital for new cell creation. Um, and in people that are going to get pregnant, we recommend them starting well before they're going to get pregnant and during pregnancy and afterwards because it helps prevent brain and spine birth defects when taken early in pregnancy. Um, and it, I think should be taken regularly by all women of childbearing age since women may not know when they're going to get pregnant. Uh, in the first few weeks of pregnancy, it's extremely important. Uh, it also can lower, remember this homocysteine I just mentioned before, which can relate to heart disease or inflammation in the heart and may reduce levels of that. Uh, there was some evidence and discussion in the past about uh, is there a lowering of certain cancer risks with this? Most people. Well, why don't we, uh, Alan? What that's our uh, the topic for our next uh, podcast. We're going to do a series of three podcasts on vitamins, and the next podcast I wanted to I wanted to discuss whether vitamins actually decrease your risk of cancer and actually may or may not decrease your risk of uh, early death. Uh, Alan, again, this was a great uh, uh, great discussion. Uh, we're, I'm looking forward to the second uh, uh, part uh, of the podcast. Thank you, Bill, and stay safe out there.